Hey, Pastor Andre here. You're about to listen to a conversation between myself, Pastor Janice, and Tim from our staff on the subject of deconstruction. We are midway through our sermon series on enduring faith, and we're taking a mid-series pause to share some personal stories as well as practical tips, pastoral advice for any of you that are going through a season of deconstruction. And so, enjoy! Hi Tim! Hi Jen! Hey, what's up? We are having a conversation on uh, on our series, uh, particularly around the subject of deconstruction. You know, we have uh, just concluded week three of this series, uh, Enduring Faith, and we have uh, three more weeks to go. And it seems like the topics just keep getting harder and harder. So this week, Jen is going to tackle unanswered prayer. Real simple, uh, easy topic. (laughs) Uh, And then we're going to do one, uh, you know, God and Spirit willing uh, on church wounds and abuse. Uh, Just a really tender subject. And we're going to end our last uh, messenger series on community and doing Q&A. And so, man, heavy, heavy series uh, so far. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the three of us who kind of co-create all of this content, just thought it would be good to take a midweek kind of, uh, you know, a midway and a midweek kind of pause uh, as we just, uh, you know, think back on all the content and stuff we've covered and maybe chat a bit about it. And uh, I think, you know, the, the Spirit of God is going to, uh, you know, I believe speak through us even as we uh, just open ourselves up to have this conversation. And so, yes, Janice and Tim. Yeah, and me. Yeah. <laughs> All right, maybe you can chat a bit about the the series, you know. So, guys, how has the series been for you? You know, what 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 are your, some of your thoughts about uh, this series, the stuff that we talked about, or uh, you know, what do you feel? Why do you feel it's important that we even talk about uh, these subjects? You know, how how has it been for you? I think for some people, it seems like the topics we've been talking about are stuff that um, kind of have been long underlying like questions or just is like stuff in the heart that it, and I think it's kind of giving voice to uh, what some people have been holding in that's what I sense I feel uh, at the same time I feel it also has been hitting uh, right where some people are at uh, in terms of their own faith journey you know, from some conversations with people. That's what I think. Yeah. Which is great. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, I think um I mean just talking with different people, uh it's definitely very relevant. Uh there's this like content and things that we are covering. Uh I mean even for myself, like even though I'm so familiar with the content, right? I hear also right, I like wow, I shake. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, wow. The first way I also go respond, I like, oh, you know. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, good stuff, man. Yeah. So how's it been, been like? You know? mm. yeah. How's it been like? Uh, you know, even diving into these topics, right? I, you know, even in my writing and my research and 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 even speaking about it on Sunday, I just feel this like deep, like heaviness upon my heart. You know, that I think it's both mm. a good and a bad kind of heaviness. You know, I think yeah. it's a good kind of heaviness because we know that uh, this is under, you know, the, the, it's beneath the surface. You know, for many people, they, they do grapple and struggle with it. Yeah. But then there's also this kind of like spiritual heaviness because we mm. know that these are really tender subjects and uh, many have been wounded by the church, you know, 
even as uh, some, you know, in honestly, in their immaturity, haven't been able to navigate with people well uh, through this. And so, yeah, you know, in your own reading, in your own prayer and diving into this subject, you know, what are some things I've been learning or some things I've been speaking to you? How is it relevant even in your own faith journey? One of the interesting thoughts that I didn't realize would hit me was um, just this thought of how being present is really important um, for being intimate. And, and that like relates to God and, and other people. So I mean, for me, of course, it hits on a personal level talking about you know, doubts and um, you know, questions and deconstructing. Um, but also on a communal level, I feel like um, it reminds me so much to, like you say, this tenderness, just to have this posture of really learning to be listening to people. And, and I think sometimes over time, we kind of lose that or we feel just numb, like, uh, you know, life is hard, just suck it up or whatever it is. But uh, it's a good reminder to really just lean into that brokenness um, mm. that people feel. And, and like, you know, the clutter in our minds when we are present, um, it makes so much difference that people can feel that God is near just sometimes through us just sitting with them uh, in their doubts. And, and for me, that, that's something is a huge takeaway. Yeah, I think that's that's a super important thing for us to realize. You know, like uh, I think we touched on this concept in the first message uh, on spiritual bypassing and how yeah. you know we as a church are uh, or like uh, just the people, you know, just the Christian community really are uh, just really uncomfortable with pain, with grief, mm-hmm. with doubt, with questions. You know, we uh, are almost like you know conditioned to want to get past it really fast, and so we know theologically that there is good that there is promise, that there's like refinement and go on the other side. And, you know, I think sometimes in our impatience, uh, even for others, we we try to rush them to it and say, but uh, there's such profoundness even in like the the sitting with, you know, the the solidarity, uh, even in the midst of pain and questions. Think of Jesus, the two on the road to Emmaus, you know, and how he just was with them, was present with them, even in the questions, right? And how... Uh, that was profound and powerful in its own way. And so, yeah, something that we definitely need to learn to be better uh, with. Yeah, I think, I mean, I've never been so confronted with, like, uh, just these things, like, uh, I mean, even with, like, people that um, I am, like, walking through, like, different things, you know. Like, to be honest, it's really heavy. Like, <laughs> like after all, I, like, huh, another person deconstructing, uh, like, <laughs> Oh, why? <laughs> I bit, oh, I really regret. <laughs> like, but, um, but I think that 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 heaviness has like kind of made me realize two things. Like one is like, uh, I I think like the immediate response for me is that like, okay, I need to get the answers, man. Mm-hmm. I need to get like the the formulas, the like the right things to do, the, uh, yeah, know the right verses to quote and all these things to like solve like the problem, uh. I just realized more and more that like I don't have like the answers and I don't have the solutions to the problems. Uh yeah. and and I think that's where we really like I mean, yeah, we really need like God, la, right? I, so I've never been so confronted with how much we actually need God um above like the answers that we can come up with. Yeah. And then the other one is that like when I yeah, when I saw like, when I counsel like, these people and all like I realized like the most like important thing for me in that moment is to just like sit and be present. As opposed to like coming up with like all these solutions and all these different things that can help because I can't. 
So, you know, we, we, we've been talking about like doubt and deconstruction over the last two weeks. Uh, we said it like, I think 10 times already, really tender, really raw uh, for many people. But how about, you know, for, for yourselves, you know, how about uh, for your own lives and your own faith journey? Have you been through something like that? You know, just doubt, even deconstruction, right? Which we have favored this definition of the systematic pulling apart of the beliefs that you inherited, that you received uh, uh, in a kind of construction and formative phase, you know, that you received pre-critically. And, uh, you know, have you ever had experience like that, you know, where you had to systematically pull apart beliefs that you were handed uh, in your formative years? Anyone? Go, Tim. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think I think definitely. Uh, and I, I think that's why I like the this topic of like deconstruction quite a bit. Uh, because it's quite it's quite personal in a lot a lot of ways. Um, I think growing up. Uh, I mean I kind of became Christian when I was thirteen, and uh, and I think the environment is very uh filled with the supernatural and like charismatic stuff and all of that, right? Uh, so I I think I really took like the whole like um, uh, the faith and like this whole idea of the supernatural existence of God all these things uh, very naturally uh, as as I came to faith and as I saw like these different things like happening around me uh, I think it's only when like um, way later like a, a couple of years ago that I started to like okay actually why do I believe these things uh, mm. is is that really sound uh, do I really have a conviction about them or are those just like placeholder beliefs that, that, that I have? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I think I spent a, the, a, like a big part of like, you know, the earlier years, like, and I, and I don't think it's wrong in a sense because I think like, uh, I think my idea of faith uh, was always like, just push through, just believe, just like, uh, you know, power through it. And I don't think that's like antithetical to what I still think like faith is. But I do think that uh, there, there has been like a lot of questions and real things that, um, that have been brought up, which I've had to face and have to uh, work through. Lah, and it's been um, more beneficial than harmful. Mm. Yeah. Mm. That reminds me, I mean, I grew up in a, a somewhat conservative uh, denomination setting. Uh, although my particular church was considered like a much less conservative one, but still, uh, in terms of like I, I guess um, the view of leadership, uh, view of certain theologies, can be uh, more classified as like the conservative. So I mean, I grew up with just this understanding that uh, you know very low view of like um, gifts of the spirit and things like that, and so there was a season when it kind of I had to really investigate into like, you know, speaking in tongues and the gift of prophecy, word of knowledge and, and healing and all that. And so I kind of swung to almost uh, like the other opposite where, you know, then we got really interested and involved with like prophetic ministry and like a lot of like um, uh, uh, words, declarations and, you know, just, just a lot of that, uh, what we would classify as charismatic, right? Very charismatic. But then, um, then, then, then slowly it 
it kind of deconstructed into like then when I went to uh, Bible school, for example, and just things like that, just being exposed to like the beauty of more of the, like liturgical prayer and, and things like that. So I feel like for me, a couple of areas that have really been parts where I kind of had to take apart what I had preconceptions about like prayer and how God hears his people, how we are to relate to him. And also um, church actually view of like church, what, what a church is about, what church is supposed to be like and the like. So all those things uh, were like two main areas. And, and then there's like revisiting uh, what some passages of the Bible uh, really mean. Uh, all those things. So verses that I grew up being told, like, this is what it means. Like, so I've always thought that was the only interpretation. But uh, I think, yes, that, that has been another area. So like prayer and then like church and like scripture has been mm. ways that I've... And so I, I see now how, for example, on prayer, God has just helped me to learn to appreciate and value just so this wider variety of expression of prayer. And I feel like it's enriching because um, I can see now like when someone prays, like, you know, how God is leading by his spirit differently from myself and how is in every way just as effective and and, and intimate with God. Um, Yeah. 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 So prayer is No, that's beautiful. I, I'm, you know, some of you know, I've recently gone back to school. And so like, I'm doing like a intro to psych, uh, a module and along with one on ethics, which I think is a subject that we can touch on later. You know, what do you do when you go through your first ethics class, you know, and you're exposed to all, all those, uh, all that relativism. Right. But, you know, intro to psych, you know, there's this, like, you know, you study like different theories, right. Ericsson, PRJ on like, you know, stage development, and I think one of the things that we would say is that like the construction phase is actually uh, critical, it's important, right? Or like, you know, if you are like younger in the faith or, you know, you're, you're new to faith or like you're a younger person, uh, you, you need to have beliefs uh, essentially handed to you, right? You need to uh, have mentors, you know, uh, have environments which are safe that impart values and beliefs to you. It's, I think, you know, when you're a younger person, you shouldn't be handed like, you know, Wayne Grudem systematic theology and then have your pick on what, what you think is right and what you think uh, fits well to you. You know, you, you need people who are further along in faith and understanding to help guide and lead you. Uh, mm-hmm. So we need that kind of construction process. But it's also with humility that we recognize that there are no perfect, uh, you know, uh, just as there's no perfect uh, natural family, uh, there's no perfect... Uh, family of faith, right? And sometimes, you know, we have certain beliefs that aren't heretical all the way, uh, but they, they might not be helpful or they, they might not be all the way uh, in line with Jesus's heart and purposes or Jesus's uh, uh, way of, of um, you know, viewing and navigating some of these issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, you know, we, we need construction, but uh, we also need deconstruction uh, at times, you know. You know, both of your stories are so, like, deep and profound and mine feels, like, very, like, uh, <laughs> it's very trivial. <laughs> uh, 
But my my like deconstruction thing, you know, I have like you know uh, a few. I've gone through a few uh, phases of deconstruction, but this is by far like the most trivial and, and funniest. Uh, you know, I, I grew up in a family where like my dad were exposed us to alcohol from a really young age in a in the most wholesome way uh, imaginable. You know, he would uh, educate us on like how to not abuse alcohol, how to appreciate it. Uh, he'll teach us like, okay, don't drink that. That's dumb. You know, don't mix stuff. That's dumb. You know, and and it was it was very much a part of like you know my upbringing. And uh, one of the things that we did at family dinners was we would have a a bottle of wine. And so you know you know I I came to faith in my teens, and when I came to faith, you know, I grew up in a faith environment that um really you know discouraged uh, any form of uh drinking uh for for good and right reasons. But you know, somewhere along the way, I just associated drinking or ingesting any kind of alcohol as sin, and so I view it as like fundamentally like immoral. And so when I went back home, you know, I would tell my parents like, I don't want to drink with you because I'm a Christian, mm-hmm. and that created like you know, it, it was not said, but there was like this like rift between me and my family members, right? And so that was like that went on for many years. And so I went to the US, right? You know, and many of us have similar stories. You know, we leave Singapore, go to the West, and then we're like, oh, I rethink everything. Uh, <laughs> so I was like rethinking many things. But the turning point came for me when I was uh, in a church service and they were like handing out communion, right? And so I took communion. And when I took the cup, right, I realized it was wine, right? I ran out of the church uh, building and I went, to, I went to like the nearest bush I can find and I spat everything out. And then when I did it, right, I just, you know, it just hit me. Like, like I, I just spat out, like, the blood of Jesus, you know. <laughs> and I was like, you know, is there something wrong, you know? Uh, is there something that I need to rethink? And at that point in time, right, I didn't take, like, I didn't even eat rum and raisin ice cream. Because I was like, oh. there's, like yeah, there's a wow. bit of alcohol and not take rum and raisin. Yeah, I was so adamant and so, oh, wow. like, <laughs> so rigid about it. And so, you know, I, I spent time talking to mentors, prayer. And, you know, around, around the time I was, like, praying for, like, like reconciliation, really, with me and my family members, you know, there was this riff. And, you know, it was just a weird kind of, like, prayer moment. I felt, like, I felt this, like, thing in my spirit of, like, I need to, like, drink again. And I don't tell this story often because people take it, like, ooh, Andre is, like, let's just drink ourselves silly, you know? I, I think, like, if you have a drinking problem, you shouldn't drink. If you get drunk, it All is right. a sin. Yeah, it is a sin, right? You know? I'm personally on like a six month kind of abstinence from alcohol kind of thing that will be finishing next month, you know. Um, but you know, I think you need you need you need things like that. You know? Just keep it in check and make sure there's no dependence. But so you know, I I started to like, you know, in the most wholesome sense, I drink again, and uh, you know, I think you know that that. I, I wouldn't say the drinking brought my family back together, but uh, it didn't hurt, you know. Uh, so, you know, things felt uh, more more normal, you know. And yeah, you know, there, there, are, there are things that you kind of deconstruct that you revisit uh, in your your maturing years, you know. But, you know, uh, another story is that, you know, I had a health scare, you know, a few years ago. And it really, you know, caused me to uh, find God in like practices and traditions that I never, ever had considered. And so my upbringing is all charismatic, you know, like you have a problem, you come to the altar. 
by then I started getting exposed to like, you know, contemplative practices and started finding God in a different way. And it was not as though I did away with my charismatic tradition, but mm. like God just like expanded my, my spiritual vocabulary, expanded mm. my, the breadth of my spiritual experience to meet him in different ways. Yeah. And I think one of the things I concluded about deconstruction is that like, at least for my personal experience is that I never went searching for deconstruction. I never went searching for like what are things can I that I can tear down and, and like rebuild on my own. But in many ways, you no, know, through like experience and I believe at times through the spirit's leading, uh, we are led to deconstruct. We are led to revisit. We are led to either like tear down um, strongholds, if you will, or to deepen our roots in certain beliefs when we come to like a deeper understanding of it you know we move from like inherited belief to accepted belief which i believe is a necessary step in in maturation in many ways yeah but that's yes i mean i think that's scary to a lot of people uh myself included when i when i first like kind of went on that deconstruction journey because it kind of feels like your uh your faith is falling apart or your whole world is kind of like falling apart like, it's not really intuitive for me to go like, oh, yeah, I think the Lord is leading me to, uh, <laughs> to doubt his resonance, to doubt his power, to doubt his, uh, his sovereignty. Yeah, feels very godly. <laughs> uh, yeah, like, I think for me, like, when I when I started, like, on the journey, I was, like, for, uh, and for, like, a decent couple of months, like, I didn't talk to anyone about it because I was, like, oh, man, everyone's going on, I'm a hypocrite, man. Like, I'm out there, like, praying and, like, preaching stuff and then people are going to know, like, hey, in, on the inside, I'm like, I'm doubting things even as I'm as I'm talking about them. Mm. Uh, so I, yeah, I think it can be pretty, pretty harrowing experience for some. Yeah, yeah. I bet. I mean, I, yeah. I, I think the hypocritical, like just feeling like, wow, what's wrong with me sense is quite real because um, uh, uh, there, there is a sense in which like if we view doubt as like solely as unbelief, you know, then any form of questioning uh, seems like it's unbelief. But I think that there is a definitely, as we've mentioned in the messages, um, that that there is doubt that is necessary for growth, um, whether it's post-traumatic or not. And it just struck me, I can't remember where I was, because we've been reading up on some doubt and deconstruction stuff. It was also just how true that sometimes we may not be seeking for deconstructing uh, or like, you know, a voluntary journey into deconstruction, but you kind of either pushed into it by crisis or some trauma, but sometimes it's because we've got friends who are asking questions and it's because we care. Um, it, and it's some, so some people deconstruct because they care. Um, so that's where good deconstruction and the bad one is different, right? Because it's out of a place of yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah. It's not okay. It's not okay that your your family member is 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 going through this suffering. Yeah, how can it be? Um, and so like to kind of vicariously, uh, feel for someone to the point where we then deconstruct. I, I feel like that sometimes out of that place is where it's good because we care for someone who's questioning for someone who's asking. Yeah. yeah. Very long-winded, sorry. No, good. You should try, uh, try alpha. <laughs> What's that? Try alpha. And then you get hit with all these questions. Then you're like... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have beliefs about that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but uh, yeah, I, I, I do believe in that. I think my... 
honestly, my my relationship with my brother, who who isn't a believer, and the yeah. conversations that we've had, uh, along the way have yeah. actually challenged my my faith and my belief. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. For me to really like uh search things out and, and be grounded in what I believe a lot. Yeah. 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 I mean, uh it, it segues us into like this really important thing that, that Bex we said, right? You know, if you are deconstructing now, or like for both of you, right? If uh you were to meet someone today who is in the midst of like this deconstruction, which you know we know for many is not just a an intellectual exercise but mm. it's painful right you know it's it's hard and at times it's lonely right you know when you are we have serious doubts about uh you know beliefs that are very much uh you know very present in whatever communities that you're part of and you're doubting these beliefs and all of a sudden you feel as though you're like excommunicated or you are like on the fringe because you no longer hold to those beliefs uh, mm-hmm. or in the midst of re-examining those beliefs. Yeah. So what would you say to someone who is going through a deconstruction? Like what would you say both pastorally, but also uh, practically? You know, what are some things that you were caution against? What are some things that you would advise them to hold fast or hold true to through this process? Dennis. Not all at once. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not all at once. I'm like, wow, where did we get? No processing. Well, I suppose sometimes people come to like me, by the time I hear about their deconstruction, it's either it's been months in or it's very fresh, right? So it depends. I guess for my part is um, to discern like where they're at before um saying or advising anything but sometimes um, I think the most immediate need is to help identify like listen to them and help identify what exactly is the question that they're bringing Um, Mm. because sometimes it's like a myriad of things Um, and whether uh, there is any like um, emotional thing uh, that they can identify that's involved that triggered the thing like are they aware Um, can they trace like where or what triggered it and stuff like that. I would tend to kind of take that posture first, um, just to hear and uh, just to see whether there is even any perhaps hurt that is driving it. Um, mm. So that's, yeah, one of the first things I do. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Tim is thinking. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think, I mean, I have a couple of thoughts. I, I think one is that, uh, yeah, I like what Jenny said about finding out what's the, what's the, <clears throat> what's the root of it, or or even if it's not, I mean, uh, I mean beyond just the beyond the emotional root, even just you know what's really the specific idea, the specific question that uh that you have, um, and then like looking into that as opposed to like okay, I have this question and then this post spot. <clears throat> everything else, you know, my entire faith is a lie and my entire yeah. God is yeah. false. Uh, I think that's jumping the gun <laughs> and I think like, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I think like, you know, really knowing what you're kind of getting into. Uh, I, I think the other two things is like, one is definitely community, like, um, yeah. and having people to talk to. So like, I think I, I, I was like silent about it and I was just like struggling myself because I, 
I, I felt shame. I felt like a hypocrite. Uh, and and actually, one of I mean, I probably don't remember, but one of the most helpful things was when I sat down with uh, Andre in his office, and then he just went, "Okay, tell me what I screwed up about." I mean, no, uh, <laughs> I did not say that. You know, <laughs> you did not say that. No, I did not say that. <laughs> that was what he remembered. That's what I thought, right? Okay, all me. <laughs> you know what's um messed up? What's wrong about Christian? You know, like yeah, yeah you know, like what you know. There's and and I think that gave even like that conversation gave me a lot of freedom to to question mm. and and to be in that space without like thinking, oh my gosh, this means I'm I'm a failure of Christian. This means uh, I'm that kind of stuff. Mm. Uh, yeah. And yeah, and I I think the last thing for me would be like um seek and an encounter with God, seek the presence of God. Yes. Uh, I think I think more than like I, I think that there's that due diligence of like doing research and uh really grounding yourself, uh having depth and understanding into like the things that you're questioning and stuff like that. But uh I mean in my experience the the things that have brought me out of like uh those like different seasons of deconstructing different things was really like a, a God moment. Yes. Moment where like God spoke to me personally, God spoke to me through someone. Uh and it's like it can be just like one sentence or one word that just made all the pieces come together for me. Yeah. yeah. So Yeah. I would I would echo that point on community again, you know, like um one of my guilty pleasures that I don't tell people often is like I like to read a lot about cults. Just I've no, you know, I've no ambition to be a cult leader. I just like to know how they work and and what what actually uh took place in order for them to get there, right? And they have this like similar storyline. It's always like this individual who had this either personal experience or personal idea where he deconstructed basically like orthodox Christianity and turned it into like some other version and he was so convinced of of it uh, in isolation and then after he was convinced of it he went on to convince others of this like idea and you know I think historically we can agree and land on this thought that some of our worst theology comes from isolation Mm. it comes from like people who are just without community, without mentors, without people who wrap around them, who challenge and speak into those ideas. And, you know, we can also land with some of our best theology in all of church history comes from community, comes from councils, comes from people coming together, praying into, working into these things, debating, discussing, and, and asking for God to lead them. You know, I think community is so important and I think we also have a ways to go when it comes to like being a good community that is able to walk with people through doubt and deconstruction, right? It'd be able to handle it, you know, even in like a faith environment. Uh, there's this line that, uh, the, that, well, basically the two of you came up with that I didn't put it in the message because I don't know how to, but we talk about how, uh, what, what's, the, what's the line, Tim? Uh, oh, holding space. The holding space, not placeholder. Oh, you're holding space, you not a placeholder. <laughs> uh, Tim, you need to pass out this statement because I love I, it. I don't no, know. no holding space, right? So <laughs> uh, they don't even rhyme. Oh, okay, anyway, but like you know, being a place where people can question, uh, being a, a, a safe place, being a you know, uh, no judgment and all that, uh, and then really being intentional to sit with people through like 
silence and do those things and not a placeholder meaning like you're just there because you're there and then you're just like hey I'll pray for you let's get coffee soon and then the coffee never happens so yes that's a, that's a slogan for enduring faith be a holding space and not a place holder uh, so, I don't know so, that's not our slogan that's not uh, I can't think of a better one but you know I, I think we do have this like propensity to like when we hear like either beliefs that we don't agree with or questions uh, we yeah. have this impulse like I want to answer I want to I want to fix it I want to mm. I want to correct it yeah. And, you know, I think there's a place for that where we confront, where we speak into, there's a place for, like, as Tim rightly brought up, for research, for reading. But I think sometimes we place the burden or the responsibility of being truth, of speaking truth upon ourselves and negate the power of the spirit and negate, like, the validity, the, the, the strength that comes in these God moments and encounters, mm. right? We read in scripture that it's the spirit that leads us into all truth. Right, we can come into new information, but it is the spirit that breathes on information, the words of scripture to lead us into truth. And yeah. I think, you know, in deconstruction, like we we have to be mindful of that and we have to lean into not just sources or more information, or we try to disengage with God and try to find truth outside of God, which is a vain and idle attempt. Yeah. But really deconstruction is an invitation to meet with God and, and, and allow him to lead us in the truth in spite of our doubts, in spite of these questions, which yeah. we know in scripture, God is not afraid of. He's not afraid of these questions. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. so, yeah. I think another... Yeah. Sorry, Sorry go ahead. We were talking uh, for some extent that whole phrase of relational trust, right? That Yes. Um, yeah, the, the, that ultimately it's, it's that relational trust with God. Yeah. yeah yeah it is we took uh two days to land on a definition of faith uh but i'm sure greater theologians uh far greater than us took years Longer. and months kudos to us for debating over two days on what faith really is uh but <laughs> yes we have essentially landed it is relational trust and and it is right it's rightly so it's faith does not mean we have answers to all our questions right it's ultimately yeah. trust uh, in, in Jesus you know who uh, I, I think the line that you know, my favorite line in, in the series currently it's this line right the goal of deconstruction is not to arrive at a perfect theology right it's to find a way back to Christ who himself is perfect theology this idea that no single person on earth has a monopoly on theology uh, that, that Karl Barth story right that he wrote 12 million words church notematics and talks about it being waste paper on the floor in heaven because we would have come face to face with the very personification of all that is truth himself mm. yeah and yeah I think another value in deconstruction is patience we, been, we need patience you know we have what some would call like a plasticity of attention you know we just have <laughs> lost this ability to tend to yeah. wait, to tarry. Mm. And uh, it's something that, uh, idea that I've come across recently is that, you know, the New Testament, it really has patience, like, weaved and built into it. If you think of the letters of Paul and how long, like, ancient correspondence would take, right? Some months, some years, some letters never got to where it needed to go. And so if you were to ask Paul a question, <laughs> there may be a chance you wouldn't get answers to your questions, right? Or there may be a chance you had to wait months 
years on end in order to get answers to questions. That's and so there's this beautiful like waiting in between uh, that we, we, don't, we don't recognize is so much a part of our faith and theology. And so perhaps, you know, one of the things that we need to land on is that we have to rediscover this vision of being like a theologically patient people, mm. right? Mm. And being able to sit in, I don't know, being able to sit in, I'm not sure, and yet going like, I, you know, I still trust in, in God, even though I don't know. Yeah. And it's, it's such a, it, it sounds simple, but I think it's like, it's like one of life's great endeavors, right? To, to come to that place of uh, maturity, of trust in Jesus. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So, folks, we have chatted on doubt and deconstruction for a bit now. Maybe you can share some final words. Final words, final stories, final stuff to encourage our listeners. We don't know how many people are going to listen to this. 10, 15, 2,000. We don't know. <laughs> but we hope it blesses someone out there. And so, uh, just final thoughts. Or ideas. I was going to uh, add on to this. I uh, I don't think you managed to get to it, but C.S. Lewis, like who wrote, like you know, uh, hot, like, something like you know that uh, he prayed, but then God uttered no answer, and then yes. then he said like you know, but you are the answer, and I kind of like really like how it captures the whole relational trust mm-hmm. and patience thing. I think, yeah. So final words being I think sometimes is whether you are the one who is doubting or deconstructing or you're the one walking alongside someone to just remember you know that that um, over time and intentionality um, to see that uh, no answer is as good as God himself and sometimes even if intellectually you manage to find or research some answer you still need to be patient to uh, encounter God for yourself um, and that person need to encounter God for himself or herself to really like come into this new place of reconstruction uh, yes. of faith uh, to walk out of that uh, well up and with a more re- enduring faith like we've been talking about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Timmy? Uh, I think, <laughs> I mean, if you're going through like deconstruction, like, uh, hold on, man. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's definitely painful. Uh, it's definitely difficult. I think the patience part that, that you guys talked about is definitely the worst. Uh, but if there's, I mean, probably if there's one thing you can do, like remind yourself of the, the moments, the, the encounters, the history that you had with, with Jesus, with God. Yeah. Uh, and let that memory and let, let those things, those undeniable like relational experience with God be like the anchor that keeps you holding fast, that keeps you steadfast, uh, even as you navigate like all that confusion and all that kind of stuff. Navigate yeah. the storm. Yeah. So your faith doesn't yeah. get shipwrecked. So we, have, so we have a ship motive that's kind of like <laughs> moving here. But not every storm leads to a shipwreck. Mm, that's right. <laughs> but yeah, man. Yeah. yeah. That's good. I'll share one, one, one final story from, from C.S. Lewis. You know, I think it's uh, just to wrap up this time, um, there's this saying that when theologians are unsure of what, uh, how to view something, they will look at C.S. Lewis uh, or look to C.S. Lewis. I know, doesn't sound all that correct, but <laughs> I do that at times. Like, right. Lewis, what do you think? No, there's this story of like C.S. Lewis. He writes it in his book, A Grief Observed, uh, after his wife, Joy, died. Uh, he wrote of this like... Uh, uh, 
think he 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 like he realized of himself. You know, he uh, had a picture of his wife Joy uh, that he kept close to him, and he would look on that picture uh, of her and just think about her. And at some point, he realized that he was more in love with the picture than he was actually in love with his wife. You know, he was more in love with this image than uh actual the actual person, right? His wife actually, and then he kind of weaves it into theology of how sometimes we love our image or idea of God more than God himself. And he talks about this idea of how God sometimes will come into our lives and shatter that image. Mm-hmm. He's the great like iconoclast is the way he, he puts it, right? And uh, it is to draw us, it's not to derail our faith but to draw us to a place where we do not just love our ideas about god but we come to love god himself and isn't that so true no we have ideas about god about who he is and is to be and is to do that really need to be shattered at times so that we come back to a fidelity not just to ideas but to the very person uh, of christ and I think that's that's deconstruction. It's coming back to uh, mm-hmm. relational intimacy and connection. You know, it is not a liberation from Christ, but it is a greater fidelity and greater and deeper experience of Christ Himself. Yeah. So deconstruction, really, what we're trying to say here today is not just an academic or intellectual exercise. Really, it's it's the Spirit's beckoning to a deeper mature and more robust love of god yeah and that's what we hope and pray for everyone right that Mm. that you know in this process that they will meet with god who is not just the god of the mountaintops but he's also the god of the valleys there is is a god who uh, is the god of our faith but is also the god uh, in the midst of our doubts yeah Mm. so that's our prayer and so uh maybe you'll wrap up this conversation with a word of prayer can I ask Timothy to <laughs> close us in prayer? Thanks, Tim. Yeah, let's pray. Lord Jesus, we uh, come before you with all our images of who you are, with all the our conceptions, our preconceptions, the things that we've been handed, the things that we've adopted along the way, God. And uh, Lord, we laid we lay them all at your feet. So we ask that you would bring us into an encounter with you. Uh, not one that's just made out of human effort and intellect, God. But we ask for your grace, God, that you show us who you really are, God, and help us to live with you. I just pray for uh, all those, God, who um, are going through deconstruction, who are going through a season like that. Uh, Lord, would you give them grace uh, to hold on, to hold fast to their faith, to their relationship with you, to their love for you. Uh, And Lord, we thank you, Lord, for your spirit for the breath and the wind of your spirit, for what you are doing, how you are moving in each and every life, of what you are forming and reconstructing. Uh, and Lord, we thank you that all this, God, is for your glory. And all this points us back to the person of Jesus. It points us back to you, your beauty, and your glory. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for tuning in. Be blessed. Hey, Pastor Andre here. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you like what you're hearing and you want to check us out, you can look us up on Facebook or Instagram or check out our website www.thecity.sg for more information. Have a great day ahead. Grace and peace.